2: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
3: It's Thursday, February 8th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice
2: of today's special guest, a second round pick, a cornerback and kick returner, a veteran of five NFL seasons, the pride of five NFL teams, a draft expert, a talent scout, a dot-com writer, a Move the Sticks podcast co-host, and a preacher of KC going back to back for a hell of a lot longer than anyone not burdened <laughs> with bias or fandom. Please welcome back to the pod. Mr. Bucky Brooks.
3: Yo, what's going on, man? What's happening?
2: Uh, you know, uh, there's a little game coming up here in a few days. Just what? A uh, so, uh, tomorrow's Friday, then there's Saturday, then there's Sunday. So, what does that mean? That we're three days, that we're two days, or that we're four days? Some people include the day of Thursday. Uh, I don't know what to say. Well, we're a few days mm-hmm. away from Super Bowl 58. If I held your feet to the fire right now, you would say that who wins it and why?
3: Oh, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs win it. Do you have a score? Ooh, I will say thirty-one twenty-one.
2: Thirty-one twenty-one. Very interesting. We're going to circle back on that. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and on today's show, what else? We're talking Super Bowl 58, a game I reckon most of us will watch, given the chance, this Sunday, February 11th. Uh, kickoff is 6.35 Eastern. Coverage starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, live on CBS. You can get this on Paramount+. You can also stream Super Bowl 58 live on your phone and on your tablet with with nfl plus uh Hmm. bucky brooks i want to ask you about three things today one The legacy game anxiety that Kyle Shanahan is very likely feeling right now. Two, the assertion you made weeks ago that the Chiefs will run it back. You've just given us an indication of winner and score. You do have the Chiefs winning it. I want to know why you were so certain when the rest of us were mired in doubt. And three, your very first mock draft, which is up on Mm -hmm. NFL.com, sees three quarterbacks off the board in the first three picks. I want to know who. I want to know why. But first, this.
4: The Patriots have won Super Bowl 51 in the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history the game is over and the Chiefs
3: kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's
0: highest summit
2: okay Buck those end of game Super Bowl calls likely conjuring up that awful memory shiver (laughs) and shake no one more triggered of course ...than Kyle Shanahan. He was the O.C. in that Falcons loss. He was the head coach in that Niners loss... Both games, of course, games in which his team had the lead, famously ahead 25 points in the third quarter of Super Bowl 51 against the Patriots. But, listener, I think we tend to forget that that Falcons team was up 19 heading into the fourth. Then, three years later as head coach of the Niners, Shanty's boys were up 10 in Super Bowl 54 in the fourth quarter against, of course, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. Both leads lost, of course. Both stories conspire to do damage to car of cracks into credibility and spring leaks in a legacy that is now questioned. Uh, Bucky, you know it. The narrative in its most reductive form is this. Kyle Shanahan can't win the big one. And while it's not yet untrue, I would argue it's patently unfair. The best that ever was lost three Super Bowls. Belichick did more than that. He lost two head coaching jobs. Fired. Canned. Okay, fine. He resigned Mm -hmm. from the Jets gig. You Mm -hmm. bet. Dude was pushed out. Semantics don't change the truth. But a Super Bowl win with the Giants as DC and six more with the Patriots as head coach allows us to forget his big game losses. And the fact is we won't doubt Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes if they lose. But doubts about Kyle Shanahan will only increase if he loses. Long preamble, thank you for your patience. Bucky Brooks, just a quick, reflexive, visceral take. Do you feel for him?
3: I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I feel for him because he's had the opportunity to be a two-time Super Bowl champion, one as an assistant and another time as a head coach, but his teams, despite leading in the fourth quarter, were not able to get it done. What happens when you have those moments where your team falls apart, it leaves scars, and he'll never admit it, but those failures, those shortcomings – Will impact how he calls this game. If he steps into the fourth quarter with the lead, he's either learned from those lessons, those losses and turn them into lessons that will lead him to success, or he'll be crippled by those losses, which will prevent him from being able to close it out. I mean, either way he's impacted by a Super Bowl experience. In
2: some ways it creates this very tense thing in us, the viewer in us, the listener in a way I'm almost now hoping for, okay. The Niners to lead going into the fourth quarter, just so that we can watch Bucky, I can't imagine that he hasn't learned from the errors of his past. What, in your estimation, did Kyle Shanahan need to learn in order to make all of those pains worth it?
3: Oh man, I, I think it's the thing that a lot of young coaches, a lot of like, coaches in general have, have to learn. Uh, in tight moments, in critical situations, it's always players, not plays. Um, this is a player's game, and it's dictated, and, and the winners are typically determined by how your stars play in the key moments in the fourth quarter, the ball has to be in the hands of the stars. So when I look at the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, they have to have um, huge roles in the fourth quarter to help this team close it out. Yes, there will always be like a unsung hero that comes up and supplies a splash player too, but typically the games are decided by the stars and the star power, and there are not many teams that have the star power of the Niners. Shanahan has to remember Hey man, just put the ball in the hands of my stars. Don't worry about the fancy calls on the call sheet.
2: If you look at the two Super Bowl I hate the word, but if you look at the two Super Bowl failures, that fourth quarter capitulation that both the Falcons, Mm -hmm. and again, let's remember, it was Dan Quinn who was head coach of that Falcons team. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, but he took a lot of the heat for the choices he made as play caller in that third and fourth quarter. And then, of course, Super Bowl 54 as head coach of the Niners. In both of those Super Bowls, his teams scored 48 points in quarters one through three and zero in the fourth five red zone drives in quarters one through three zero in the fourth completion percentage over 83 percent in quarters one through three less than 40 percent in the fourth quarter Uh, passing yards per attempt it goes down Mm -hmm. by six passer rating goes down by almost a hundred uh a shocking drop in terms of effectiveness between quarters one and three and quarter four and a lot of it comes down to bucky his the offense that he chose If you look at the rush percentage in those games, he passed the ball 70% of the time in both of those fourth quarters, in both of those Super Bowls, Super Bowl 51 and Super Bowl 54. Mm. He's passing the ball 70% of the time. Now, the layperson like me looks at that and says, come on, man, just hand the ball off. But you're giving a more nuanced answer. You will not criticize a Niners offense in the fourth quarter if they have a lead on Sunday, if they choose to pass the ball, as long as they're passing it to McCaffrey out of the backfield, Debo on sure routes, Mm -hmm. and the sure hands of George Kittle.
3: No, I won't criticize it in that regard, but that runs counter to how the team plays. The San Francisco 49ers are built to run the ball. They're an exotic smash-mouth team, meaning they give you all the bells and whistles, all the sexy movement shifts and motions and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, they're an old school team that wants to run right at you, whether it's inside or outside zone, whether it's an occasional gap scheme where they're pulling uh, the guard and the tackle. They want to run the football because running the football allows them to create big play opportunities in the passing game. What happens in the fourth quarter, the play caller and Kyle Shanahan as the head coach and offensive play caller, the head coach has to start thinking about what do we need to do to win? And so sometimes that's weighing time, score, opponent. Okay, how much time is left? What's the score? How is the opponent playing? Um, if we have them under control, well, now we really can salt it away. We can grind it out. We don't need to worry about being aggressive on calls to try and put more points on the board. If it's a, hey, we really can't stop their offense. Do we need to slow the game down and play keep away with our offense? So for Shanahan, somewhere in the game, he has to worry less about the play sheet and start thinking about how do I tactically want to finish this game out? What is our best uh, opportunity for us to, to to win it? Is it the offense being aggressive? Is it no, scale back the offense, let the defense win it? All of those things come, come, to, come to play. What has happened in the past? He's continued to be aggressive. And look, much like Dan Campbell, that's how they got to that point. But there's a fine line between – aggressiveness and recklessness. You don't want to be reckless. You want to make sure that you take care of the ball. You give yourself a chance to win. You run out the clock. You make it difficult for the opponent. So it takes weighing all the factors, not just what your offense is doing.
2: Bucky, I've thrown this out on this pod before. I don't think it was to you, so I want to try a uh, heave again now. We always ask quarterbacks to play above the X's and O's in the ma- in the moments that matter most? Mm-hmm. Should we not ask the same of coaches? And is that not basically what you're saying? Is that in Dan Campbell's case, in that second half capitulation to the Niners, mm-hmm. in Kyle Shanahan's case in two previous Super Bowls, and then maybe extrapolating what could happen this Sunday? Yeah, that's what you're saying is you've got to play above the X's and O's too. You've got to play above your own play sheet if we as viewers are looking closely at kyle on the sidelines when they go to those cutaways let's say in the fourth quarter he's still going to be looking at his sheet but just not at the script as maybe he designed it
3: no and then he'll rewrite the script uh, based on what happens like uh you'll hear teams talk about the openers sometimes it's the first 12 plays sometimes it may be the first 15 plays but they're scripted they've been rehearsed the team is going through it because in theory there are a couple things that you want uh I want the players to know what we're doing when they're their most nervous. Anxiety is going to be high in a Super Bowl, so we want to go over the first script, those first 12 plays. Man, we've gone over them every day in practice because I want them to feel like they're on autopilot yes, sir. while they're trying to shake out yes. the nerves. For Kyle Shanahan, the openers give you an opportunity to set the table for the counter tactics that you're going to run. So this is when you may show a trick play, when you may show an eyeball formation that, um, as my coaching buddies would say, Send the defense coordinator and the players to the sideline scrambling and they may never see the stuff that you showed them early Again, but you want to burn up their their imagination and their attention So maybe they f- forget how they want to play your base stuff interesting So Kyle Shanahan has to do that pay attention to the game make sure he gets everyone actively involved so we talked about Christian McCaffrey yes. Evo Samuel George Kittle early in those games you want to get those guys touches because if you have these long breaks between touches you can tend to check out and it makes it harder to get back into a rhythm later in the game.
2: We often hear about those first 15. It's interesting that you call out first 12 as one of the options because we rarely hear that, and I appreciate that context. Would it be outrageous to imagine that somebody like Kyle Shanahan having a couple scars Mm -hmm. on his heart, on his brain, after those first two Super Bowls would have a final 15? A final 12, a salt-the-game-away script ready to go. If he is fortunate enough to have a 7, 8, 10, 12-point lead heading into the fourth quarter, that he might have a Mm -hmm. salt-the-game-away script ready to go.
3: He may have some of that on his call sheet already. Like, hey, if we get up, here's how we're going to play it. He'll talk to his coaches, how he expects the game to play out. Uh, He'll kind of proactively discuss if we're up by seven, going into the fourth quarter, here's how I plan to play the fourth quarter. May change it, may change the way that he does once he gets into it, but he'll begin to tell the D coordinator, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, probably won't go for it as much so you guys can stand up. But you feel like you have control of the game. If you got control of the game, then I'm a punt. If it's one of those, hey coach, we're doing everything. We don't know if we can stop him. Now I have to be more aggressive on offense. So it's a running dialogue between the parties involved to determine how to play the game but ultimately he's the one with the gavel. He has to make the decision and everyone has to follow suit. You've played for
2: a lot of coaches in your day and you've been around coaches even after your playing days. Do nerves enter the equation for them? Because we do talk about young players like a Brock Purdy and we mm-hmm. expect him to be a little nervous. You just talked about the fact that those first 12, first 15 plays are designed in many ways for those nerves, addressing those nerves and, and, and sort of you know, putting them to bed or at least relaxing mm-hmm. them in some way do coaches carry those nerves around do they carry the scars around do they get anxious at moments that they need to
3: be calm and does it affect the rest of the team yes and the team can definitely tell when the coach is nervous the one thing that you must stay true to when you're a head coach you have to be your person you have to be yourself you can't change what players crave are consistency so if you're a guy that has been like a jokester the entire time. Well, on game day in the Super Bowl, you need to crack jokes. Tell and a damn stuff. joke, man. If you're a guy that is uptight and serious right. and 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 like, kind of like the drill sergeant, yes, sir. you need to continue to be like that. Uh, players want authenticity and they want consistency. So whoever you are, you need to be that, that person in that moment. You also must be able to understand, hey, man, this may be the biggest game that you've ever coached in, but if you make it that big, it'll overwhelm you. Super Bowl is bigger, it's a lot different. 35 minute halftime, Usher's going to perform. So it's going to be an energy in the building that's different than you've experienced. All the other things that go along, more TV timeouts, more stoppages, more breaks. It's a lot of time to overthink your process. So for Kyle Shanahan, uh, for everyone else involved in it, you kind of want to play the game in your head and have some of those adjustments already dialed up and cued so i can pull the rear report and say hey here's what we're doing
2: authenticity and consistency bucky brooks says that is what nfl players crave it's what they need and it's certainly what they need most in moments like this that matter the most the biggest stage the brightest lights the highest level of tingle and nerves they need consistency and authenticity from their coach but if Kyle Shanahan is authentic, Bucky, and consistent, then he remains mm-hmm. aggressive into the fourth quarter. Yeah. So in some ways that fights, it almost fights instinct for him to, to play above, to coach above the X's and O's, and now we have the muddle that faces all these guys.
3: Well, not really. When you go back and you look at it, like the Niners are a team that they want to play from in front. They're a team, if you look at his record, what, what the championship game was the first time that he's been able to win In a fourth quarter comeback, went down by maybe eight or more points, maybe six or more. I think I saw the stat. So he hasn't had a lot of success when playing from behind. So for Shanahan, it's about grabbing the lead early and holding on for dear life. Um, And you're conflicted because it's not only about grabbing the lead, but if I grab the lead, now i got to deal with Pat Mahomes in a different light. Do I want to deal with Pat Mahomes when it's just throw, 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 when he's proven to be one of the best? Regardless of what you think about the supporting cast, that guy, Pat Mahomes, has proven that he can win in the fourth quarter, time and time again. That's a challenge, and the Niners' defense isn't playing well. So Kyle not only has to assess his offense, but he has to assess his defense and say, "Can we get a stop? If we can't get a stop, then I got to be more aggressive on offense. I got to play the goal, bust the clock. I have to." So he has to manage all of those things on a big stage. He's more experienced now. There's still a lot to manage with the championship hanging. After
2: the break on NFL Total Access, the podcast, Bucky Brooks has been saying for weeks, y'all, that the Chiefs are going to run it back. And he doesn't say it with a twinkle. He doesn't say it with a smile. He doesn't say it with any degree of irony. He says it because he believed it. And he believed it earlier than just about anybody who isn't a Chiefs player, coach, or fan. So what did he know that we didn't know? And please tell me. It goes beyond just having number 15, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, who knows? Maybe it is that simple. We're going to find out after the break on NFL Total Access, the podcast.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh?
2: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Bucky Brooks talking Super Bowl 58. Now, we have addressed the elephant in the Shanahan room, the legacy Mm -hmm. question. Now, Bucky, let's address your level of confidence and certainty that inspired you to push back on all those Chiefs doubts and all those Chiefs doubters weeks ago and announce very calmly that the Chiefs are about to run it back. What did you see that we didn't?
3: Oh uh, Well, I mean, one, you just think about their, their experience. So over the last five years, they've been in four Super Bowls. Uh, I think people forget, and they don't hold Pat Mahomes' feet to the fire when he said this. The first time they won it, they talked about being a dynasty. So then they go back to back and they lose. And so that kind of took the luster off of that, even though it took them two years before they go back and win it. In essence, everything that they've talked about doing, they've created. What happens when you win? Uh, what 50 Cent said this, winners win. Losers lose. And so once you get used to winning, you know the recipe for being able to do it. So despite all the stuff that took place in the regular season, um, you just knew that when they got into the tournament and it really mattered, the Kansas City Chiefs know how to win that. It's very similar to, and they, look, Pat Mahomes has talked about kind of becoming the, the villain. They've become the new version of the Patriots, where when you would let the Patriots into the tournament, if you let them into the championship rounds, They would find a way to get it done. And a lot of times it's not necessarily them winning the game. It's them waiting for the the opponent to lose the game. In all of these games that they've won, it hasn't been a spectacular showing for the Chiefs. It's been, we're not going to mess it up. We're not going to make the egregious error. We're not going to make the mistake. We're not going to turn the ball over. We're just going to see if we were playing tennis, we're just going to volley. We're going to be baseline players today. And my feeling is that, at some point, you're going to knock the ball into the net. Unforced errors are going to happen. You're going to hit it over the line. You're going to do something that you're not comfortable doing. Because they've been on this stage and they've played in these games, they play so many of these games, you just get comfortable playing there. And I think, for me, I just felt like once they got into the tournament, when you have Pat Mahomes, when you have Andy Reid, and they've been in these games so often – they just kind of figure it out. And the Kansas City Chiefs have figured it out. And it's another advantage that they have in the Super Bowl.
2: I was saying yesterday to uh, MJD that everybody I've asked, family members, neighbors, colleagues, who's going to win Sunday? Almost everybody's answers, Bucky, had some version of, ah, I'm not going to bet against Pat Mahomes. You can't bet against Pat Mahomes. Or, mm-hmm. ah, "I just you just get this feeling that the Chiefs are going to find a way to win. Mm-hmm. So I think...
3: It happens. Reluctantly, people
2: have come to your side and realized what you saw early on. Okay, if the Chiefs find a way to win, what does that look like? What do you reckon it looks like?
3: Uh, I think they have a few different paths to victory. Uh, The most probable path would be their defense plays lights out. They race out to an early lead. They force the Niners out of their comfort zone and they make Brock Purdy have to throw it 35 or more times because now it's a passing game and it's not the balanced game that Kyle Shanahan wants to play where they jump out to the lead and they run it down your throat to seal it. Uh, another way that they're able to, to win it is they run the football well with Pacheco. Uh, they continue to evolve offensively in the passing game where everyone knows Kelsey and Rice are doing it, but maybe MVS shows up. Maybe somebody else shows up because the Niners have struggled with, with their effort They'll be forced to play more man-to-man. Man-to-man can lead to more big plays on slips and falls or anything, P.I., pass interference, penalties, any of that stuff. And the other thing with Pat Mahomes is can you get them down? So if you're only going to rush four and play seven in coverage, well, are your four capable of rushing down after down after down after down? And so this came back and got Kyle Shanahan – Um, and wanted to come back, so the the Falcons come back. It wasn't necessarily that Tom Brady got hot. The Falcons got tired because it wears you down, chasing the quarterback, rushing the quarterback, particularly if they're playing up-tempo and you can't sub it out. There's a way for the Chiefs to use tempo to advantage, playing slower, but also playing faster to wear down the Niners over time.
2: Uh, You kind of threw it past me right there, and I want to go back and have a look at that pitch again. You referenced a Niners team that you're questioning effort. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you see that uh, announce itself? And, God, is it possible that they could actually be guilty of that on Sunday in the biggest game of their lives?
3: Well, everything you do is habit for me. And so uh, watching them play against the Packers, watching them play against the Lions, you saw a team where on defense – In these moments, all 11 should be flying to the ball. I mean, it should be a party at the football. You're racing to get there. You're trying to knock the runner out and those things. Didn't see that. Didn't see that commitment to playing hard. Chase Young was Mm. uh, guilty of that. You could have some snaps with Nick Bosa and others where you can catch them before the play is over and you turn the film off. You can see them walking or jogging or not giving full effort. It's inexcusable Mm -hmm. in these moments when you're playing for the title and there's so much urgency that typically comes along with playing for the title that they're not having that and the fact that their coaches have had to address it. It's an issue that shows up on tape. I don't know if you can fix that in two weeks by saying, Hey guys, we got to play harder. Normally, you just do because you understand what's at stake.
2: And this notion that, well, of course, these guys are going to turn it on. The switch is going to go on when they when they reach the Super Bowl. You push back on that because as a former NFL player and as somebody who knows this game well, you go to habits. I think Belichick would be nodding his head right now, Saban too, that uh, you are what you practice. You are yeah. what you do every day. And if you have six straight days where you take a snap or three off, Well, then chances are it doesn't matter how big the stage is, doesn't matter how important the game is, you're probably going to take a snap or two or three off even in the Super Bowl, and those may be the snaps that hurt you.
3: They may be the snaps that hurt you. So one of the things about playing, and it's one of the things that former players miss when they're no longer playing, there's nothing like playing in the playoffs. And so uh, four game speeds the NFL has played at. Preseason speed, regular season speed, postseason speed, and then Super Bowl speed. So what happens in the preseason, it's a little more slow motion than the regular season. Regular season, there's for real, a little more violent, a little faster. The playoffs, everything is there. And so there's an urgency that comes with win or go home games. And so we, you can see it. You can hear it on the boom mics. The the physicality, you feel through the TV set when you're watching it. Yes. Like you can sense yes. that people are going for it. Well, in the Super Bowl, it goes to an unbelievable level. And it has to be your fastest game, it has to be your most violent game. And to do that though, you have, you have to have exceptional, what we call competitive stamina, meaning I am willing to compete as long as necessary to win the game. If you're a team like the 49ers, who it doesn't appear that you're playing hard, that competitive stamina, you might have it for a quarter, you may have it for a half, but do you have the mental toughness to push yourself to compete for 64 minutes? If that's not ingrained in you from the time you started off-season workouts and practices and those things, it's hard in two weeks to flip the switch and say, oh, we're going to be a play-hard team. It just doesn't happen like that. So the boost will happen early. They'll play hard for a moment. But if they get discouraged and they fall behind, will they continue to play? Because typically that stuff's in your DNA.
2: You told us in the previous block, I want you to tell us again, who wins Super Bowl 58 and what's the score?
3: I think Kansas can Chiefs win. I'm going to say 31 21.
2: Do they extend late or are they ahead 31 14 and the no. niners, niners sort of close the gap? No, late? I, think,
3: I think it's fitting. I think it's 24 21. Niners are trying to get the ball back one final time and Can't do Pat Mahomes it. delivers the dagger that he typically does. Because the other thing that you talked about, you know how you talked about your friends and the people, the colleagues that you yes. asked about the game and they're like, man, I just got this sense that, man, like, Patrick Mahomes. How can I pick against Patrick?
2: Chiefs are going to find a way to win.
3: Okay, so players feel that too. So you remember how people Mm. would talk with reverence over Tom Brady. Yes. Right? Like it's a real thing that if Pat Mahomes gets the ball at the end of the game, do the Niners really believe that they can stop him? And when you have a catalog that is as extensive as Pat Mahomes has of delivering game winners – Uh, Dagger plays, it's hard to really believe that you're going to be able to get it done. That's the advantage that Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs have. Because they have evidence of getting it done, the 49ers also know that. And you know we haven't even talked about Andy Reid, but Andy Reid has also done it. And so when you win, the confidence comes from everyone in the building knowing, hey, man, just get the ball back to Pat. We can do it.
2: And that aura doesn't come from popularity. It doesn't come from charisma as much as Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and all these other guys may have. Andy Reid, too, in his own way. No, it comes from muscle memory of having done it themselves and as an opponent of having seen them do it time Mm -hmm. and time again, and that starts to eat away at you. God, Bucky, you saying that is absolutely right. You can imagine, reimagine, listener, the look on Josh Allen's face in that overtime when the Bills lost to the Chiefs in that epic— afc mm-hmm. championship game or maybe it was a divisional round game actually we always mm-hmm. make it the championship game i think it was a divisional round game and and josh allen never had a chance to come back on the field because you saw in his face at the beginning of that chiefs overtime drive that josh allen knew everybody in the stadium knew oh once you, they got the ball it was you're old. not you're not getting the ball back yeah. number 15 is about to drive this team down the field whether 10 was on that team or not and he was tyreek hill but it wasn't about 10 it was about 15 knowing yeah. that he's going to do it and sure enough Kid did it.
3: He, he's done it. He's done it a number of times. He's done it in a bunch of situations. He's done it in high leverage moments where uh, everyone in the league has seen him do it. And so there's a belief, uh, not only from his teammates, but from the opposition that, oh man, if he gets the ball back, like, how are we going to stop him?
2: Bucky, is that the difference between really good NFL players and truly great NFL players? Is that they may have similar skill sets, but the mm-hmm. really great player? is able to do it in a Super Bowl, is able to do it in a win or Mm -hmm. go-home game. Is that the difference?
3: Yeah, I mean, there are different levels to it. But when you can do it in the postseason and if you've done it multiple times, there's an R that comes along with it. The reason why we celebrate Tom Brady has little to do with people to talk about the rings or whatever, but it's – Seeing him do it, because we saw him do it when he had no business doing it. You saw him
2: do it in a conference championship game as a member of the Jags. Uh, You Mm -hmm. guys went on an amazing run that year and fell short in the conference championship game to Tom Brady to the New England Patriots so you are speaking from experience knowing what it looks like when one of the best maybe the best to ever do it goes out there and does it yet again you held that team to 20 points that day and still went home losers does failure to reach a Super Bowl still nag a player who's been out of the game for a while like yourself does it still eat at you does it still bother you
3: I mean look it always eats you because you never have a chance to make amends but I'll say like they're two failures. So it's one, like as a player, another one, working with the Carolina Panthers, Super Bowl 38. Super Bowl 38, you're the Carolina Panthers. You're up, we're up feeling like, okay, man, we, we get it. I, I can't, I think either Moose or uh, Ricky Poor catching one in, in, in the corner to put the Panthers up maybe by a touchdown. And you, and you can feel it, it's like five or six minutes left. And you can look around and say, man, like, man, we're about to, about to win. We're it. about to do this. Tom Brady takes it down, does his thing. Um, you know what I'm saying? We, we mess around and we score we kick the ball out of bounds get the ball on a short field and you know he only has to go 30 yards he does it adam venatori comes on so the the aura is created in there and so yeah it's a you never can get those moments back and so we can talk about dan campbell and all those things and i think what he said after the game when he talked about losing like we may never get here again because that's the that's really the reality of it yeah like there's no guarantees and so in these games it took the niners four years to get back yeah And so all of that heartbreak uh, that they've experienced along the way, that, that still resonates with them. Meanwhile, with the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, they've had a heartbreak, but they've also had a lot of triumphs. And so that confidence is a major factor.
2: And the aura of which you speak, that Mahomes and Brady and who knows, maybe only another couple of guys in NFL history really have the way that we sort of imagine it now. Those are the two guys that Kyle Shanahan, back to our first conversation, those are the two guys that broke his heart. Those are the two guys that came back against his mm-hmm. Falcons in Super Bowl so 51
3: and, and Niners in and Super Bowl 54. So he knows, he knows he's playing against a, a great quarterback. And so he has to just understand, I'm playing with a great quarterback. It will impact the way that he has to call the game. It will impact the way that he calls the game. Subconsciously or not, he knows that the guy on the other side is capable of, of kind of having one of those throwback moments where he single-handedly gets it done, it may force him out of his comfort zone because he's chasing and dealing with the ghosts on the other side.
2: Uh, Patrick Mahomes is empirically a great quarterback. We know this. Uh, You said before the season started he's the best player in the game. He's not just the best quarterback in the game. He's the best player in the game, and you made a very compelling argument as to why he won't win MVP this season because of his stats during the regular season, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to push back on you. Uh, Kyle Shanahan would love for his Mr. Irrelevant, his – Magical pick in the seventh round, Brock Purdy, to turn into one of those transcendent players with an aura, with greatness. We won't know that. Time will tell the story. What does he need to see from Brock Purdy on Sunday? My last question about Super Bowl 58, Bucky Brooks, thank you for your time, is give me a, give me a winning stat line for Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy's stats are what? The San Francisco 49ers may just find themselves in the winner's circle.
3: If Brock Purdy completes over 70% of his passes... And if Brock Purdy delivers six explosive plays, so explosive plays will be categorized as passes over 20 yards. If he delivers six explosive plays and he completes over 70% of his passes, the San Francisco 49ers win.
2: But you didn't like the number 30-35. You threw that out earlier that if he's throwing the ball 35 times, that is, that's mm. that's a recipe for an L. So you're looking at, what, 25 attempts? He 25 goes 20 30. for 25? 25 to
3: 35. 25 to 30 uh, would be good. I think you want to you control – the action. You don't want to have to throw because everyone in the stadium knows you're throwing. You want to be able to pick and choose. And so the reason why I'm harping on the explosive plays, because there's a direct correlation to explosive plays and points. So when you can deliver those chunk plays, normally those drives, drives result in points. And so to think about, hey, we're going to run it four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards. They're going to need explosive plays against the Kansas City Chiefs team that, remember, when you're dealing with Steve Spagnuolo, he's playing for splash plays. Defensive splash plays in their book, sacks, yes. turnovers, yes. tackles for loss. Yes, He wants to throw you behind the sticks. On an early down, so now he can heat you up and get you off the field. In that classic kind of Eastern martial arts ethos of
2: using someone's aggression against them, do you see that as something that the Niners can take advantage of? Can they take advantage of Steve Spagnuolo's aggression?
3: Yes, if you can win on the perimeter. But here's the difference. That's the key, is winning on the perimeter. Can Debo, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle win against the Kansas City Chiefs secondary? because that's what it's going to require. The Chiefs are going to play man-to-man. They're going to take away the run, and they're going to say, can your guys win? And they're going to heat up the quarterback. We've seen the quarterback has turned the ball over um, when people have jammed the middle of the field, and they've gotten after him. So I would expect the Kansas City Chiefs to take the middle of the field away, meaning uh, put stop stop signs in between the hashes, make Brock Purdy throw the ball outside the numbers. The Niners want to throw in breaking routes, so they're going to take that part away. Can he make big boy throws under pressure? This is when the uh, pedigree, first-round pick, seventh-rounder, will we see it play out? Because he's going to be forced to make what we call big-time throws. That may be the opportunity for us to see why he was a seventh-round pick, and that's not being disparaging to Brock Purdy.
2: We're going to check Bucky Brooks on two things in the days to come. Uh, The first day to come is Sunday. He believes that the Chiefs are going to win this game 31-21. We're going to check him on that at the final whistle on Sunday. We're also going to check him in April on his mock draft. His first mock draft, Bucky Brooks 1.0 mock draft, is up now on NFL.com. I encourage you to go check it out. After the break on NFL Total Access, the podcast, I'm going to give him 90 seconds to explain the first three picks. Three picks, three quarterbacks. Listen up, Bears. Listen up, Commanders. Listen up, Patriots. You've got Super Bowl days in your past. You may just have Super Days in your future, if you get your picks right. Bucky mm. Brooks has a suggestion or three to make after the break.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Scentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
2: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with the in-house scout, the in-house draft expert, Bucky Brooks. And the final topic is tea leaves. I don't know where to find them or how to read them, but this man has no such issues. Buck, your first mock draft of the season is up now at NFL.com. Let's do a quick rundown of the top three. I'll be the commissioner. Raj wasn't available. With the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Chicago Bears select... Caleb Williams Okay, why?
3: Uh, they're going to take him because there's a fascination with Caleb Williams because won the Heisman Trophy two years ago. He has outstanding talent, does a great job of playing off the script. He can make every throw that you want to see, and he has a little magic. That magic is the stuff that offensive coordinators covet. Some will say that he reminds them of Pat Mahomes. I'll take it down a notch and say, say that he reminds me of Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson was in his prime in Seattle, making um, impromptu throws, things outside of the uh, – fabric of the playbook he's able to go above the x's and o's that's what the bears want caleb williams is the best quarterback in the draft for you is it is it close i don't think it's close based on like how he played i think it can be closed based on prospects meaning interesting um the next guy when okay let's about,
2: let's move to the next guy with the second pick in the 2024 nfl draft the washington commanders my washington Commanders, select Let's go Drake May.
3: Let's go Drake May, okay, why why? We'll say, Give me hope for this pick. Drake May has been outplayed by the two other quarterback prospects in this draft. Caleb Williams has outplayed him, Jaden Daniels outplayed him this final season that they played. However- And yet you have him going above Jaden Daniels, why? However, when you talk about prospects, prospects are not necessarily evaluated on production, they're evaluated on projection. And when you look at Drake May's projection, he checks off a lot of boxes as the prototype at the position. Big, athletic, big-time arm talent, great intangibles, f- uh, football family, not even football family, athletic family. So it, it, it's not going to be too big for him. He is a guy that we would tag as a franchise quarterback each and every year in any draft he fits that. The production isn't what Caleb Williams has delivered, isn't what Jaden Danielson delivered, and he doesn't have the wins, the signature wins that you typically would want but from a projection he projects as a high-end franchise quarterback each and every year. Uh, Listener, Bucky Brooks has just made a smarter
2: NFL fan, certainly smarter NFL draft fans. It is oftentimes about projection, not about production. Don't forget that. Don't get seduced only by stats and only by big plays in big games. Look at what this player could be because that's what NFL scouts are looking at. And finally, with the third pick in the 2024
3: NFL draft, the New England Patriots select... Jaden Daniels from LSU. Heisman Trophy winner, dual threat quarterback who has really improved over his five years in college. First three seasons in Arizona State, he showed the flashes, really put it together the last two years at LSU, but particularly last year. Uh, this is a guy who is a special playmaker, can do it on time, on target, from the pocket, can do it uh, on impromptu plays, outside of the structure of the offense. He's done that. The main concern that you have with him? Physiology. Body frame. He's skinny, he's slender. Can he kind of take the licking and keep on ticking, as they would say? Um, if he can display that ability, then look, he's going to be fantastic. Uh, people will make the comparison to Lamar Jackson. I would say he's not Lamar Jackson. I've heard the comparison to RG3. Is that more accurate? In terms of body type? Body type, yes. In terms of game, I think he has maybe a little more to his game than. RG3, and I think RG3 was a fantastic prospect coming out. Uh, Daniels is intriguing. He's come on like game busters, took the hard coaching from Brian Kelly, which I think is uh, critical to understand that he got better under the hard, rigid nature of Brian Kelly. That, to me, speaks to his character and the intangibles that he displays.
2: Bucky Brooks, mock draft 1.0, three picks, three quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, then Drake May, then Jaden Daniels, the rest of his first round, including where the all-everything-wide-out and NFL legacy pick Marvin Harrison Jr. ends up. For all that, go to NFL.com for the rest of Bucky's Mock Draft 1.0. I want to thank today's special guest, Bucky Brooks, for getting us ready, man. Uh, We get a couple more days till Super Bowl 58. Thank you so much for setting the table for us.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: And I want to invite the listener to join us next time. That's tomorrow. I will be in Las Vegas on Radio Row I'll paint a picture as best I can for you of the scene, the energy, uh, the fans. Apparently more 49ers fans than Chiefs fans by a huge margin. I'll report back if that's true. And uh, you never know who's going to show up on set. That's tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now.